0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like this show, I encourage you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. And if you want your own podcast, you could be the next big podcast star. Go to pod617.com to get started. It's the Boston Podcast Network. That's what we do here remotely or in our Westwood Mass studios. Well, we're, we're going far beyond the reaches of Boston today because we're, in a matter of speaking, we're going to Brooklyn. So, Nadia, are you actually in Brooklyn right now?
1: Physically right now, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm not. Where are you? I'm actually in Kennesaw, Georgia.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah. we're going to get that explanation and the whole story <laughs> from Dr., Dr. Nadia Lopez. She is has founded a school, Mott Hall Bridges Academy Middle School in Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York. She has been uh, named one of the leading. Oh, she's won all kinds of awards. We're going to get into it, but let's welcome her to the show. Welcome D- Dr. Lopez, Nadia. Hi. So what are you doing in Georgia? You said, I'm sorry.
1: So I, it's, it's a, so I have a home down here and since the pandemic, and once I resigned transition from my position as principal, I decided to come down here and spend more time just to get away from the New York city energy. It was just a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and I needed healing. I needed a place to, have rest relaxation without all of the demands and um stress that comes with being a new yorker
0: i hear that i could use a little peace and quiet actually over Mm -hmm. labor day weekend i was in a friend's house at the outer banks in north carolina that was nice to get away i have to say Yeah. yeah and now back in dreary new england anyway so you are the architect of what's called The Lopez Effect, which started at this school, and I take it continued to preach and practice. It it teaches transformative practices, innovative models that provide teachers and community stakeholders to, and this seems to be your goal, disrupt the school to prison pipeline. So tell us how you originally got inspired to start this thing and then how it progressed.
1: Honestly, it just came from my experience as a teacher and seeing the impact that leadership has when it comes to developing culture and empowering teachers in general to do the right thing by children, especially children of color and marginalized communities. And unfortunately, my teaching experience, I had some phenomenal teachers that I worked with. However, the leadership did a lot of marginalization of children who were already marginalized. Like it was just like, how do we, how do we do this? What are we doing? And I just Morally, I felt like I was conflicted every day. I did what I needed to in order to support the children. I did what I needed to in order to make sure that they got a sound education. But just overall, I just... I thought that there has to be a different way of doing this. And I didn't want to conform to what the system was saying this needed to be because I came from public schools and I I just was like, this just is wrong. I had the opportunity of starting being a founding teacher of an all-girls school in New York City. And it was a world of difference in terms of resources, in terms of access, money that was given. They were like... There was no bounds, right? Like you mm. could think outside the box. And I was like, wow, this is refreshing. And it was still a New York City public school. So I was offered the opportunity of applying to new Leader. actually studied in Boston at Boston and became, and had the opportunity of writing my own proposal. And I created a proposal that was STEAM focused. So that's science technology. I,
0: oh, good. You're going to tell us because I wasn't sure because I, <laughs> I, I think I know what STEM is, but go ahead, go ahead, STEAM. Yeah, yeah.
1: so STEM is, you know, science, technology, engineering, and but as I looked at what was missing was the arts, because our kids don't oh, really okay. understand the yeah. end, how it's a form of creativity, and it could be part of something that they decide to, as a pathway of a career. So I incorporated that and um, opened the school.
0: What? Give us an example of some exercise or something that would go on in a classroom that you were in charge of that is maybe different than the 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 normal quote unquote stuff that you were trying to get away from or the historical stuff or whatever you want.
1: There's so many things. One of the things was we had a lot of partnerships with our within our school, and so in sixth grade, our kids were reading the Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, mm-hmm. and people would be. Like how? How are those kids, right? How are those kids over there reading that book? Because one, it was like a New York Times bestseller. The context of it was about a black woman from Maryland who during the 1950s, we know that Henrietta Lax and her cells have been used throughout medical um history and has amassed trillions, trillions of dollars just off of her cells that still exist today. But because she was poor, because she didn't know what was happening and, and, and being basically mistreated, her family never got anything from it. Right. And so people questioned why I was allowing the children to read the book. But the reality is that I had partnered with Long Island university and it was the vice provost who was like, because we're in partnership, I want the children to read this book. And she actually provided the professional development for the teacher who was going to teach the class. So they did a book study and unpacked it. And then this was a science teacher. So she had to look at it from the lens of science and do a lot of scientific exploration around not just cells, but just understanding the landscape of the medical, the healthcare field and what that means for children of color who come from a community like Brownsville. And then also the economic impact of what it means for us today And then what does it mean for individuals of color, especially women, because we tend not to take care of ourselves. And so it was a very holistic approach. And then the young people were able to actually do presentations that they did alongside math students who were in the master's program at Long Island University. And what that did was build confidence because you think these are young people who are 11, 12, 13, right? Because some of them were overage in sixth grade, but to put them in a college environment to tell them and show them that they can be on the same level and have conversations with professor that changed the trajectory for them and also these were kids who were behind two grades in in reading levels right so they were on a fourth grade reading level however they were reading a new york times bestseller book and engaging in conversations that was high level so we did that throughout all of majority of our classes just engaging them in a way where it took their learning beyond the school building but had practical impact in terms of real life Hmm.
0: this is an opportune time for us to talk to someone like you because there is there it seems like there's the controversy around the country about what exactly we should be teaching our kids Mm -hmm. is high in in across a a lot of different um, topics i would say there's the Debate in where is it Florida or one of those places down there? Um, that, that some people say that we shouldn't be a t- sex critical education, critical race theory, and, C- and, cri-
1: and sex education. Sex and
0: education, and- critical race theory was the next thing I was going to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. so tell, so tell me as you look at the landscape now, and and I imagine, and tell us, have you faced some of that? backlash in trying to be progressive in in your how about that first have you have you faced some of the this backlash this kind of things that we're hearing like our kids don't need to hear that
1: no because i didn't i didn't ask permission i wasn't (laughs) sharing (laughs) like i'm not
0: oh good for you I,
1: i knew what the scholars needed and i sat with my team right with with the teachers and we talked about representation so it's hard for me let's have this real conversation about DEI, when we talk about diversity, inclusion, and equity, what does that really mean? Like it just becomes another buzzword. So if we're talking about curriculum and we're talking about what students should be learning, how does our curriculum, what they're learning in our buildings, how they're represented in our building translate? So what are they reading? Mm -hmm. Let's look at all of the books that they're reading. Is there anything remotely close to who they are? Let's look at the authors. Let's look at the context of the stories. Let's look at the nuances of them. What does that, what does it look like for them? When we talk about history, how are we really talking about history? How are we really showing that that history repeats itself, right? We we, we are like, no, we have to stick to the time. One of the amazing things that I had my uh, social studies teacher, I told him what I had my social teachers do was look at it from a social scientist perspective. And it took him a minute to understand what I meant because everyone is so used to being in a rope position. You have to do it this way. You have to do it that way. I was like, no, let's really explore why history repeats itself. Who are the players, right? And talk about like the impact of those who are the natives of specific areas and how they were impacted. And what does that look like even today, right? So we talk about colonization, what's the difference between colonization and gentrification, right? People are impacted, people are pushed out, who, who benefits, who loses, whose voice isn't there? It's those things. And so when you have conversations about the voices that are missing and how do we make sure those voices are included, then it changes the conversation of how do we look at our curriculum to make sure there's fairness right now. I just think that we spend so much time on being divisive. Like it's all about race. I'm like, it's about fairness. Because if we actually look at it from a humanity standpoint, we exclude anyone who is of the LGBTQI plus community. We exclude anyone who is black, brown, or, or anyone gender we exclude so many people if we really look at our curriculum so we have to be the ones to say what's missing what do we need to do differently and then just engage in a conversation with the kids of why is this happening I think that people fear that there's going to be anarchy no it's not going to be anarchy it's going to be good conversation and trying to fix the problems that continuously happen in our society
0: Yeah, I feel like we're already kind of in anarchy. We we need you to get us out of this anarchy. (laughs)
1: Uh, I mean, but the anarchy is just happening because people are at a battle zone and no one wants to compromise, right? right. And I think that for so long, people who have been in marginalized communities are saying, we have compromised. We have, like, we've been waiting, we've been waiting. And now folks are saying there needs to be some fairness. And then those who are in positions of power are, are, are more concerned with, how the fairness is translated, but it's like, this is what happened. <laughs> this yeah. is where we're at. Let's just, let's talk about educating the child who has to become an adult, who has to be of humanity, right? And humanity is being accepting, empathetic, compassionate, being solutions oriented and 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 embracing other people. Mm-hmm. How does what they're learning allow them to do that?
0: You say that your goal is to inspire 10 million people who will impact 1 billion children by the year 2030. Yeah. I can't even get my son to listen to me when I give him advice. That's just one person. You're going for a billion. So um, mm-hmm. I, w- I wish you luck. Sorry. <laughs> maybe that was a bad joke. Tell me, how, yeah. tell me how. How are you doing this? How will you get there?
1: Well, the reason why I came up with those numbers is because I looked at the actual numbers as it relates to things that I've done. So I've given a TED Talk that's had over a million views. I've been featured on PopSugar that's had over a million views. I've done this a mini doc through little little things. It's had over a million views, right? So if I look at those three just alone, that's three million views. Mm-hmm. That's three million people who have seen it. And three million people have shared it with someone else or maybe a, a third or half of that then now we're up to at least another 5 million people, right? Or 6 million people at minimum. So I'm almost close to 10 million. The goal is to say the audacity that she wants to reach a billion people. It is possible. We're on social media. There's over a billion people there. People share the information. It can happen. I was featured on Humans of New York and now has over 20 million followers, right? In a space that has a billion or more. So- If I could say I opened a school to close a prison and actually see the impact of what that looks like, because the same young people who came from a community where only 32% had a college degree, I mean, not even a college degree, had a high school diploma and 14% have a college degree and have 75% of my scholars actually go to college now, it's possible, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's a number that I chose. And I'm gonna keep working at it.
0: The website is thelopezeffect.com, and I noticed there you've got a, lo- a lot of your speeches that you've made already, which is great. Mm-hmm. I like the way you are. It's, it's important to us here in, in in show business here that you organize your speeches very well. The videos are right there on thelopezeffect.com, and is that the best way for people to learn more about you?
1: They could do that, but they could also follow me on all of my socials. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at the Lopez effect. I'm more active on LinkedIn and Instagram. And now I'm on TikTok. It's just a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I try to pick my, the best poison. And so LinkedIn and Instagram are where I stay the most, but you'll find me dabbling in those other areas as well.
0: Very cool. Of course, uh, being a terrible podcast host, I neglected to introduce my sidekick today. Paula. Paula is here. Paula, I'll give you your round of applause for being here. And you have you have a question for Nadia. Go ahead.
2: I do actually have a question. My question is you talked about these great responses you're getting from these audiences with your TED Talks. What is it? What is the thing? If you had to say one thing, what is the thing that you think people feel most inspired about? What is the key message that people you think want to really hear that you're able to to bring them that's getting them excited about you know what you're talking about
1: i think most people are are resonating with the fact that they in their lifetime had an educator who was just as passionate as i because that's what i'm always hearing like you remind me of my teacher or my principal or there's a conversation of i wish i had someone like you in my life and so i don't take that lightly and that's why i try to promote beyond just the Ted talk or all those videos, because I'm not, I'm no longer in the school, right? I'm no longer the principal, but I'm a firm believer that it doesn't require that type of title to still have the same impact or to inspire people. We're in a day and time where education is under attack, right? And the, and the people who are most affected are the educators, who are trying their very best with little support and the young people who are in those classrooms who are having to deal with the effects of high turnover and just change of standards and all the things that are happening. And so I don't want us to lose out on great talent that's willing to walk out the door because they don't feel like they're respected. I speak from a place of, I've been in the trenches, I know what this, and we have to just respect this profession because it is one that impacts all industries. Every educator has a, has touched the life of someone who's in the industry, even like on this podcast, you all have been affected in some way, shape or form by a teacher. So that's the feedback that I've been getting and keep it coming.
0: We're going to take a quick break here as we hear from our sponsor. Another podcast that you'll be interested in, particularly if you're a fan of 80s music, it's Past Tens, a top 10 time machine. You can find them online at timemachinepod.com. Past 10's a top 10 time
2: machine. Past
0: 10's a top 10 time machine, the podcast where we go back in time. We'll go back that week in history. When we look at the top 10 songs from the billboard charts, we analyze. This is 80s with gobs of oozy cheese. And sometimes we criticize. What the f*** were we thinking? With your hosts, Milton Dave. Find us at timemachinepod.com or search for past 10s anywhere you find your podcasts.
1: It's actually great. <laughs>
0: Do you ever hear from old students? Do you keep in touch with any of your old students?
1: Yes. Like yesterday I was just on the phone with them. Like I still talk to teach students I've had since 2006. Wow. Like one lives down here in Georgia. We went out to brunch two weeks ago, but we're always on the phone. And when back and forth in New York, I still have lunch, dinner. I'm on group chats with. Yeah, that must be
0: really. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're saying
1: one that's in college right now called me. She needed to resolve an issue with a professor. How should she navigate the conversation? But when I became a a teacher, that's why I went into education. Right, my background was in nursing, and I just felt like I want to have long standing relationships, and I want to be able to see their growth. Right, just not short term. I wanted to have long standing relationships, and so my phone is filled with conversations with my scholars. And I take great pride in that because I've gotten to see some of them even become parents. And now they know how to navigate when it comes to education and what they should be looking for as a result of their experience, having been under my either leadership or just as a teacher.
0: Very good. Again, it's thelopezeffect.com is where you learn more about Dr. Lopez and uh, at the Lopez Effect on the the socials. We are going to play a quick round of good stuff where Nadia and Paula and I will recommend something good for you to check out. Before we do that, let me take one brief moment to... Tell you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. It's pod617.com is where you go. If you want your own show, this would be a great time to start a podcast. It's the fall. The summer's over. Oh, time to get back to work. <laughs> time to get out there and network. Do something to market your company. If you're a professional advisor, it's a great way to expand your network. You invite people to be guests as uh, to be a podcast guest on your show. And we produce the the the. the Radio quality production that you hear and not with a host stumbling over his words like I do. It'll be much better than that. Go to pod617.com to get started. It's the Boston Podcast Network and pod we trust. All right, let's go to good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. <laughs> Usually I say my guests are are not given warning about this, so they're unprepared. But it happens that I know for a fact that Nadia has a couple good things to recommend to you, the listening audience. So what do you got for uh, good stuff, Nadia?
1: Okay, so the first one is I watched this weekend Untold on Netflix, the new season. I love basketball. I love sports in general. So the three that I watched was uh, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist, Mm -hmm. um, Operation Flagrant Foul, and The Rise and Fall of And One. And I love that because I love 90s, Late eighties, early nineties basketball. I Mm -hmm. just, that's my sauce. And another good thing was just spending quality time with my daughter. She got her first job and she treated myself and my mom to lunch. And so so just being in the good moments and good spirits of that.
0: That's one lunch she's paid you back for now. She's only got about a million left. But yeah, that's very cool for for her to to pay for lunch. Seemingly small gesture is just, I got two kids, and as soon as they pay for something for me, I'll let you know, and I'll let you know how. Okay. To, but that's tremendous. Now, you mentioned the those. I can second your recommendation on the Netflix documentary series, Untold. They're all pretty great. Mm-hmm. I did watch the, the Tim Donahue one, which was mm-hmm. interesting. So let me ask you this. Is the problem of of referees, I mean, in, in this case, we know of one referee who was involved in shady business who admitted that he bet on games that he was refereeing. Is the problem, though, deeper? Because the documentary seems to suggest that Absolutely. we... Absolutely.
2: Okay. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: I
1: yeah. was like, the way they even, like, ended it, for you to really recognize that, oh, it's, it's a whole operation, right? Yep. There are so many players... And the power of David Stern, I was like, yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah,
0: Yeah, Um, David Stern just announced, you know, when he was commissioner, of course, that Tim Donahue was a rogue official that acted alone. And mm -hmm. that's nothing more to see here, people, even though it's the sport. And now I don't know about you, but when I watch a game now, I'm fortunately just more in tune to the fact that the referee has such a degree of control, right?
1: So that's the thing, even before watching this, even watching this year, right, going into the finals and the playoffs. And you're like, what is this ref calling? Like, what is going on? Right. Depending on where the game is happening, the refs are, quote unquote, in cahoots or just not calling certain plays. Or there's some refs who are like, we're going to let them just play. We're letting them just play. But now after this, it's going to be an interesting season because I'm like, hmm. Taking down names.
0: Who do you who do you root for?
1: Okay, so I know you all are gonna be upset. It's either the Nets or the or...
0: Knicks. Yep. Neither. Oh, really? Okay.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm, everyone who knows me knows I do not root for the Knicks ever. Okay. I like winning, so <laughs> I can't root for anyone who hasn't won since uh, more than I'm my age.
2: Right.
1: Right. So I was torn between Boston and Golden State. I've been a Golden State Warriors fan for like seven years now. but i do love i love boston i oh, do, all right. i love ray allen so i was all in with ray allen and kevin garnett and paul pierce i like i love that era and i was in boston in 2008 when they won the championship BC. so yeah. i am but i had to choose a team i chose golden state
0: <laughs> yeah well yeah I, last year the you two teams in the finals and we were pretty happy with the celtics i don't know if i speak for all of celtic nation but they're a fun team. They're a gritty team. Mm-hmm. We never really thought they were going to beat the Warriors. We hope they would. We hope they yeah. would. They had a they had a puncher's chance. They were in the series, but mm-hmm. eh, it's it, Steph Curry is just he's an alien. He's an alien sent from some planet where all they do is play basketball. Anyway, yeah. so those are great ones. Paula, do you have something for good stuff today?
2: Yeah, you I mean, guys, you're talking about basketball. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing Celtics, Celtics game live And although I I love sportsmanship, I I root for the plays and the teams. I feel like you need to really know the players to kind of get into it a Mm -hmm. little bit, kind of know what they're about. I didn't really know who a lot of them were, but I knew the famous ones, you know. (laughs) When I left that game, I remember feeling like this is really good for humanity because people are getting together. They're cheering for teams. And I was fired up about the whole experience. Yes, it was great. The Celtics won. That was awesome. But. I really got into like people were cheering. We were cheering together. We, it was to me, sports is like the ultimate human experience where everyone can be almost like the Olympics where we can all cheer for each other. And, and I really think for me, that's the good stuff.
0: Yeah. And that's what, that's what, why sports matter. A lot of people, because when people ask like, it's, is it a sensible, is it a logical thing you're doing? The answer is no, because so, so I'm a, I'm a New England Patriots fan and, I've been when they start playing. I'm going to be cheering for these 53 men that I don't know and have never met, and probably will have never will will never meet to do well on a field against against 53 other dudes that I don't know either. Why? Why? Because I like the uniforms. No, because my parents took me to the old cruddy Foxborough Stadium or Schaefer Stadium when I was a kid, and our family. It's been a shared experience for us all these years. So it's something to Sharon. Nadia, I saw you nodding when Paula was was talking. Do you agree?
1: No, absolutely. Sports, it's just something electric about it. And you find like this tribe, right? So even though I don't I don't love the Knicks. I will go to a Knicks game because it's something about going to the garden. Mm. And it's electric. And you can't help but to, like, get into the game. and so much excitement. And sometimes you don't know all the plays because people change. There's so many things that's happening. But at the end of the day, the excitement is behind wanting to see a team win, giving a high five to someone you don't even know, right? right? Like, you're all on the same page. Yeah it's a great escape from everything else that's happening in the world
0: i totally agree and now i'm embarrassed that my good thing my good stuff is is not about it's it's just a tv show but this is one uh, if you if you get peacock the streaming service there's okay. a relatively new show called the resort and i'm going to play just a little bit of the trailer and uh, we'll watch and you listeners can listen to the audio of course here it is
2: Brings you to Taku Vacation and the kids? Oh no, kids! That ship has sailed. It's our 10-year anniversary. save these, as they will get you everything you need. Oh, even heroin. Sorry. Just joking. That's a bad joke. I'm starting to forget who I am. No work, no stress, no regrets. When would just see where this leads us?
0: So it's a married couple at this resort. And then, of course, something goes awry. There's a motorcycle accident or an off-road ATV accident. belonged
1: to a kid who went missing down here 15 years ago. It belonged to Sam Wofford. Sam and his mom and his dad and his girlfriend arrived at this resort on Christmas night. But
2: then the next morning, he's gone.
0: All right, that's, that's enough. There's only so much you can get from the trailer. You can tell there's a lot going on there. So the whole thing takes place on this resort. There's a a young couple there and they soon come upon this phone that belonged to someone who had disappeared fifteen years earlier. And so it's kind of a cool mystery. It's not real heavy. It's kind of funny. You heard a couple they crack a couple jokes in there. And you see these two timelines the timeline of what's going on at the resort now and then the resort what was going on when these kids disappeared in fifteen years ago, whatever it is. So I'm surprised it's really good. So that's your homework, uh, Nadia and Paula. Okay. Watch the resort. I am so oh, to check it out. Okay. Anything else we left out, Nadia, that our, our listeners should know about? Of course, we want to direct you back to thelopezeffect.com and at the Lopez Effect on socials. Have we covered it or... Uh...
1: We've covered it. Folks are looking for support as it relates to their schools. I do consulting with districts. I do leadership coaching for women of color, but I also am a philanthropic social impact strategist. So if you want to know how to spend your money to help the good children, I'm your girl.
0: (laughs) I like that. I can't argue with that. Any chance you'll become affiliated with a, a school again permanently or open a new school or anything like that? Not so I'm
1: actually a board member of a charter school that's in New York in Westchester, New York and we just opened last week. <laughs> oh, cool. I had to think about it. So I take on a different role and now I support the principal and govern in a different way, which is exciting. What's that sc- um, what's that school? This school's name is Intellectus Prep mm-hmm. and it is a 6th through 12th grade a STEAM-focused school, it has a double E because it focuses on providing children with financial literacy and art courses as well and mental health services. So I continue to open schools, but just in a different way.
0: Great stuff. Great uh, stories and great inspiration this morning. So I thank you, Dr. Lopez. I hope you had a good time.
1: I did. This was excellent. Thank you.
0: You're welcome back anytime on the Boston Podcast, even if you don't root for the Celtics. It's okay. It's okay. We still (laughs) go to pod617.com, kids, as a reminder, if you want your own show and follow this show on Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your show. On behalf of Paula and Dr. Nadia Lopez, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston, but if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody.